Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and thank you for inviting me to be part of your day. The world is slowly waking from the coronavirus slumber. It's like waking after a bad night's sleep in an albergue. (laughs) Slowly but surely, knowing you have a very difficult day ahead of you. It'll be tough, but you know, you'll have some wonderful moments along the way. Things will improve, and walking alongside others will make the journey even better. And if you're lucky, there's a Café Con Leche at a café mid-morning. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago, and the Camino is a pilgrimage, a journey of discovery. Pilgrims walk to Santiago de Compostela in northwest Spain to visit the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James, interred beneath the majestic cathedral in the town square. The Camino community is alive and well across the world. You don't just walk the Camino and return home letting the memories fade, as memories do. Most pilgrims stay in touch with those who they walked with. You might join the local chapter of your Camino community. You might volunteer to teach others or to share information with someone thinking of walking. You might write a book or start a podcast. Anything to keep the Camino fire burning. You might write poetry. The British writer and poet Sir Walter Raleigh wrote in his poem The Passionate Man's Pilgrimage early in the 17th century. Give me my scallop shell of quiet, my staff of faith to walk upon. My scrip of joy, immortal diet, my bottle of salvation, my gown of glory, hope's true gauge, and thus I'll take my pilgrimage. I can't wait to get back to the Camino, but I acknowledge the people of Spain and France need the chance for things to return to normal. And if that means we have to wait until 2021, so be it. Give me my scallop shell of quiet, my staff of faith to walk upon, no scrip of joy, immortal diet, my bottle of salvation, my gown of glory, hope's true gauge, and thus I'll take my pilgrimage when I can. (laughs) I met one of this week's guests earlier this year at the American Pilgrims on the Camino gathering at Lake Tahoe in Nevada. I say one of my guests because Amy Horton is on the line with her husband, Ben Voss. Welcome, Pilgrims. Hello. Thank you. Yeah, Ben, let's start with you. Give us a summary of your and Amy's Camino journeys. Well, we've walked uh, partial Caminos twice now. Um, We started in 2016. We did the uh, Francais starting in Lyon, and we fell in love with it so much that we decided to come back two years later, and uh, two years ago in 2018, we walked the uh, Portuguese route. Amy, I read the poem in the intro because you're a big fan of poetry, aren't you? I wanted to start with that question because I want to know where that love of poetry came from. Well, uh, I would have to say that probably came from uh, years back. Um, Probably starting out, it might have come from my eighth grade year in Catholic school when Ben's mom actually was my eighth grade teacher. Mm -hmm. And she also had a love of poetry and she liked to share that poetry with us in class. And I know her favorite poet was Robert Frost and she shared a lot of his poetry with us. And that was probably where it first started. And then definitely in high school, I got an interest. Um, but I will say, um, probably more recently, um, I have been introduced, uh, to several poets that just, um, gave me greater access to, um, poetry and appreciation for it. And so Ben, here's this beautiful woman sitting beside you, the love of your life. You've known for so long, your mother taught her in school. Uh, yes. Um. My mother was was uh, an eighth grade teacher at the the local Catholic school, um, but for whatever reason, we didn't attend that school. But Amy's family did, so her brothers and sisters were all taught by my mother. Wow. I went to the public school in the same town, and after eighth grade, the Catholic school um, stopped, and everybody went to the public school. So. Uh, once Amy arrived at the public school, she was a freshman and I was a senior. Uh, I have to admit, she caught my eye immediately. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fantastic. And now here you are, 
uh, not only sharing life, but sharing this love of the Camino. It's fantastic. And Amy, it's really become a huge part of your life because you're heavily involved also in the in the local Camino chapter as well. But, but let me ask you, Amy, do you remember how or when you first heard about the Camino? I do. Um, actually, back in 2004, um, I uh, had gone through a, a, a bit of a change in life and uh, found myself living uh, by myself for the very first time. So having grown up in a, a large family um, and g- gone to university, I always had roommates. And at this point in my life, I I was living by myself and doing some introspection. And I came across an article written by a woman who um, at the time was going the way she described it was going through similar changes to what I was experiencing. And so the article really resonated with me. And she talked about how she walked this ancient pilgrimage in Spain. And I thought like, oh, I would like to do that sometime. That sounds really neat. And kind of tucked it away in the back of my head. And I don't know if it was maybe a year later, a couple years later, my mom mentioned that she had been to um, a, a program that the ladies' sodality at her church had put on, uh, where they um, had a different different programs all the time. And the, the guest speaker that evening had been a woman who had just finished walking the Camino. Oh, wow. And so my, my mom said, have you ever heard of this? It was really interesting. And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I have. I, I actually would really love to walk that someday. And my mom was interested at the time, too. And we had talked maybe about the two of us walking it together someday. Um, but again, it felt like something off in the distance. I knew that you would need an amount of time to take off, if, especially if you were going to try to walk all 500 miles of it starting in St. Jean. So it just got tucked into the back of my mind. And then fast forward a few more years and through work, um, I um, do public relations and communications. And I was working for a a company at the time where we were hosting a, a media tour that brought reporters from a lot of different countries in Europe to the United States to tour several facilities across the country. And one of the reporters happened to be from Spain. And one evening at dinner, uh, he and I happened to be seated next to him. And I struck up a conversation and asked, well, exactly where in Spain are you from? And he said um, he, he was born and raised in Vigo and now lived in Pontevedra. That's all in Galicia. And I said, well, oh, of course, that's where the Camino de Santiago huh. is. And he was, he, his look on his face was just so surprised that I knew about this. And so then we started an instant conversation about it and probably talked the rest of the evening about it, I think to the point where we bored some of our other <laughs> dinner mates um, by the conversation. But we just became instant friends and have kept that um, friendship intact. And that was probably back in uh, 2011, maybe, that I met him. Um, So he also said, like, well, I can tell that you have, you know, a certain spark and spirit about this that you will walk it. So when you do, please let me know and, and reach out to me if you ever have any questions, but please let me know. And I will meet you guys when you come to Spain to walk the Camino. How fantastic. So um, that is our friend Rodrigo. And um, so that was in 2011. And I still kept feeling this um, urge to do the Camino. But again, at the time, we we were thinking, you know, when can we get four to six weeks off to walk 500 yeah. miles. Yeah. We just weren't sure that we could get the, the holiday time from work. So um, a few years later, I, I talked to Ben and I said, like, I know that one day we do want to walk the full 500 miles, but 
I also don't want to postpone this opportunity because we can't get that much time off. I'd rather walk part of it than none of it because someday may never come and I don't want to delay that joy. So let's, for my 40th birthday, I want to walk the Camino, even if it means we can only do two weeks of it. And he agreed. And so in 2016, um, we walked our first Camino. And while we were walking it, we celebrated my 40th birthday. How wonderful. You know, talking, I don't think I've ever asked an American, Ben, is the Camino very well known in the U.S.? I don't think uh, I've ever asked anybody that question before. In, in, in the circles that, that I'm in that are not involving Amy, uh, no. I had never heard of it before Amy had mentioned it. Yeah, right. But it's, a, it's, it's uh, I guess it's ironic um, that my mother had probably sat in the same presentation as Amy's mother did because they knew each other. They were fairly good friends. And my mother wished to walk the Camino herself, but uh, she passed away from cancer in 2007 and never got the chance to. Mm. So I, I, I did not know that she even knew of the Camino except through Amy's mother had mentioned wow. it. So mm. it, it's, it's not well known uh, because it's, you know, it's not glitzy and glamorous and, um, I guess exciting for some people. I think it's exciting, but uh. yeah. Well, I, I think anybody listening to this podcast thinks it's exciting <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because we can't stop talking about it. But, yeah, but, sunrises can be exciting. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really interesting. Oh, I love talking about. It. I could talk about it to drive my family and friends crazy. But <laughs> I, I, and, and just in respect of that, I mean, I was I was lucky enough to perform at the Camino Brewery in San Jose in March. And it was set up by two young guys who walked the Camino together twice. And they decided on the way that they would return home and set up a a brewery together. But it was interesting because talking to the people at the bar who had never walked, they still knew about the Camino's folklore, the Camino's culture. These were just local San Jose people, you know. Mm And so, Amy, how do you explain the Camino to people? Oh, um, well, one of the ways that I've described it to people is like a mini United Nations. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because you have people from all over the world that are convened in the same place for the same purpose, which is to walk this pilgrimage. And while their roots may be, or their um, experiences on the route may be different, we're all there for the same reason, um, which there may be different reasons that people are walking their pilgrimage, but we're all there to walk a similar pilgrimage. And In doing that, there is a harmony, a a special harmony that happens on the Camino that you you can't really experience. I've never experienced it anywhere else in my life, where everyone is, you know, walking toward the same objective and you're kind of there, not just walking for yourself, but in a way either silently or out loud cheering on those other pilgrims and wanting to help them succeed on their path also. Yeah, that's a great answer. You know, um, someone wrote to me this week to ask some advice about the Camino. They said they were looking forward to a spiritual journey and they sent me something that they'd found on the internet. It said, a spiritual journey is a journey you would take to find out who you are, what your problems are in life, and how to come to peace with the world. The purpose of a spiritual journey is rarely to find an answer. Rather, it's a process of continually asking questions. Does that sound about right, Amy? It does. Yeah, yeah. And and, and so, Ben, 
collectively, how has it impacted your lives, do you think? It's absolutely enjoyable. Uh, It's something my wife and I look forward to and we enjoy doing immensely. And to to dovetail with what Amy said, that when I was on the Camino and you met so many people from so many different places, and normally in this geopolitical climate we're in, we would have nothing in common. Yeah. Yet we do have things in common. And then you realize that it's not just because we're walking the Camino we have something in common. Is that all humankind is in this same struggle together. And I was probably sitting at a, a cafe one evening drinking wine with somebody from Ireland and Germany and Portugal and uh, Argentina seven different languages being spoken all sitting at the same table we had not met before and I was I just thought if everybody in the world would walk the Camino there would be world peace yeah. but <laughs> that's not feasible <laughs> no. so it, it, it opened my I guess it, it would say it impacted me the most it, it opened my eyes to not everything has to be a competition. Not everybody has to be the number one winner. Just, just enjoy your enjoy your walk. Really, hey, that's not a bad way. When I asked you earlier about how do you explain the Camino, Amy, um, and you know it's a mini United Nations. I think that's probably a good way to look at it. When you couple that answer with Ben's answer just now, uh, when we are sitting around the table, nobody cares. If you're a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or a chimney sweep, uh, and that's really how we should accept one another in a wider sense anyway, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about, Amy, tell tell us about walking as a couple. Did you walk together every day? Did you, did you, were you always at the same uh, pace? um, Well, we, we always walked to, together, but were we right next to each other during that time? Not all, most of the time, no. Ben often, I have a lot of pictures, as my family will attest, <laughs> that are of, of Ben's backside and his backpack. <laughs> because he would often be walking so, some distance ahead of me, but he was always within sight. Um, and I, I think part of that maybe perhaps for him comes from his, um, Marine Corps background where, you know, he's, he's not going to leave another soldier behind. I don't think he would, would want to leave his wife behind either, (laughs) but we also, um, allowed each other the space to walk single file, if you will, so that we could each be in our own head Um, neither one of us would walk with devices on. Um, so a lot of times here at home, when I walk my dog, I'll have my, oftentimes I'm listening to my Camino, the podcast or a lot of other podcasts while I'm walking my dog. Um, but on the Camino, I don't ever listen to anything, no music, no, um, no podcast. I, I just want to hear nature and hear the, 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 the quietude around me. Yeah, I, I think, well, I, I'm the same. I really love to listen to the slow sound of often my footsteps ringing out in, mm-hmm. in, a, in, in a town square. Is, that's the only noise. It's quite beautiful. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, quite, how, I mean, how many times have we had the experience as pilgrims, especially if you get up early? Ben and I were early starters. And, you know, we would oftentimes rise between 5.30 and 6 and get started before a couple hours before daylight so that we could walk when it was cool. Um, and oftentimes, you know, we would start out in the little village and it was so quiet. You know, every house was shut up very tight and we would walk in the darkness and in the early morning quiet. And then it was lovely to hear and experience as you walked and made it from one village to the next or in between villages, just seeing the day come to life. 
Yeah. Um, one of our favorite things was seeing the bread truck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because, you know, that became a, a regular thing that we would notice is as we were walking, a bread truck would come by. They'd always honk their horn so that we would be aware. And then they'd honk their horn to let the people know that they were dropping the bread off. Yeah. And that was just part of our um, early morning routine. We would start so early that there would not be cafes open, so we wouldn't be able to get our first cafe con leche until usually after 8 a.m. when hopefully we would make it, the timing would be right to make it to a village where a cafe would be open. Um, but that was also part of our, you know, that was part of our morning routine on the Camino. Did you, did you know where you were going to sleep each night? Were you spreadsheet pilgrims, Amy? No, we are not spreadsheet pilgrims. Um, the only thing we knew, we booked um, the the night. W- when we arrived in Spain, we knew where we would stay the first night so that we could get a good night's sleep and not be worried about finding a place. And we knew at the end in Santiago, we always treated ourselves at the Parador. Oh, wow. Um and then we had our hotel back at when we were flying out of Madrid. Those are the only pre-bookings we did. Everything else, we would um, just walk and find things along the way. We would, we would though, uh, every evening or afternoon when we would get to a where we were going to spend the night, we would look at, at the guidebook and the, and the map and say, for tomorrow, we need to be at least this far. If we feel good, we could push on to this next place. So we had a, essentially a minimum distance we needed to cover because we were on a schedule. Yeah. And if we felt good, we could push on, or for whatever reason, there was no no room in the end, which never occurred for us. Um, but we weren't definitely staying somewhere each night, but we had objectives, a threshold and an objective for each day. And part of planning that was to, like, as we would sit, you know, we would finish our day of walking and get to our albergue, go take, drop our things and our backpacks and take a shower, get cleaned up, do what we called our Camino chores, which was our laundry. And then we would go find a cafe and sit down and have a cerveza or a vino blanco or a vino tinto or several <laughs> just watch the other pilgrims yeah. come in and pass through and, and isn't yeah. it pilgrims. isn't it the best thing ever oh yeah it's dan when, when before we before we left i worried that 16 days of just walking would get tedious but not one single day was tedious. No. The the breakfast was never tedious. The walking all morning and then having uh, something at 1030 and then getting lunch at 11 or 1230 and then being in albergue by 330 and then just conversing every day. Sometimes you see friends. Sometimes you meet new people. It never got old. And it, it never got old the second time. And we just look for it because it's so relaxing and enjoyable to just be out there experiencing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ben, let me stay with you then. Um, did you guys do much training before you went? Were you seasoned walkers to do 13 days straight? Yeah, we, uh, we probably started walking a good year and a half right. before we left. Yeah. And we... We attended a couple um, seminars or, or talks from people who just got off Camino. We had lists and guidebooks. And, you know, being our first one, we weren't sure what to expect. And, you know, we did a lot of walking on weekends um, leading up to it. And then about three months prior to it, we were working up to walking at least four miles every day so that our bodies were used to walking every day. And, you know, initially we started without packs and then we graduated to carrying packs. And then like three months before we were carrying our, what we expected our full load to be. So 
Yeah, we, we did quite a bit of training for it, moving, or going into the first one. And the second one, our training was more condensed because we knew what to expect. Yeah. And. Yeah. You know, um, Amy, I'm, we're friends on Facebook, and um, in this um, lockdown, you've you've been lapping your 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 plot of earth. <laughs> you've been doing laps of home around the. I have. Yeah, and that looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we live on a twelve-acre farm, um, about uh, fifty miles outside of St. Louis, Missouri, and. Um, on our property, Ben has kindly mowed a path around the perimeter of it that allows me and the dog to to walk walk around our property, and it's um, I love it. It's it's a a good way to get exercise, and I kind of you know vary the route around it and and weave in and out of the property um, to vary it, but it allows me to you know look look at our property and make sure everything's okay first of all and that nothing is amiss but also just appreciate all of what we have here on this little piece of land um and be able to get exercise and and experience nature every day and a cat a chicken and a dog that is correct. We actually have 12 chickens. <laughs> no, it's a great but photo. Yeah. It's a great photo. I loved it. I loved it so much. And I just thought it was That's so right. fantastic. I had to write it in that script. Yes, for for the for those listening to the podcast who might not have seen it, uh, we have our chickens are um, pampered chickens here on our property. We do they're happy chickens. Let's put it that way. We also like to refer to them as being free-willed, not free-range, because they go anywhere they want by their own free will. And uh, we have one chicken who is 10 years old. We have two chickens that are 10 years old. They are part of our original flock. And one of them will often come, if I'm sitting on our front porch, she will often join me on the front porch where I will give her special treats but she sits there with me and the dog and the cat just like she's another pet. <laughs> How wonderful. I know. It's so great. It's so great that you appreciate your little space, your place on earth. It's especially in these uncertain times. I mean, it's a great sense of, uh, of security. And I think that's really very important. And, and I, I think also, Ben, when we talk about the Camino, and, and you just mentioned before there the simple routine of it all, uh, it's, it's simple things like sitting on the veranda or the porch with a cat, a chicken and a dog, just like walking as a pilgrim. We get an opportunity as, as pilgrims on the Camino to strip it all back, don't we? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, in our normal hectic lives, there's so much, there's so much to do. There's a lot of stress. There's deadlines. And I, I guess the reason it didn't get monotonous is because you realize this is all I got to do. I have to walk 16 miles today or whatever it is to whatever lovely location I end up. I have to get checked in, pay the, the hospital, the hospital, uh, 12 Euro to stay there. I get a bed, I take a shower, I do my laundry. And then, then I just drink wine and eat wonderful food and talk to other people. I mean, that's that's all I have to do. And then I guess what? I get to do it again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it it's it's the release of all the stress and deadlines and everything is just it it that's why it never got old. It was just mm-hmm. so relaxing and enjoyable just to be doing simple things that were so enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. And Dan, I'll add to that. I think that's, you asked earlier if we were spreadsheet pilgrims and and we said we're not. And I think that's part of why we're not um, because in both my and Ben's jobs on a daily basis, we spend a lot of time planning and executing in our roles. And I think for us, it's, a great relief to not have to do that when we're on the Camino. Yeah. 
No, mm-hmm. I know. Well, my job is about deadlines. Mm-hmm. Even even thirty second deadlines. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, and so to not have a deadline for the first couple of days, maybe even for the first couple of weeks, I couldn't. I just couldn't get used to it. I kept thinking, right. I should be doing something, shouldn't I? I should be somewhere. Shouldn't I be making or taking a call or something? And and then I would just get this wave of relief when I realized I didn't have to. It's amazing. It's 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 liberating. Now, Amy, I want to talk about faith. I want to I wanted to ask you how important is your sense of faith and how much does it resonate in your pilgrimage on the Camino and today? Um, well, I guess I would. Ben and I both um, grew up with a Catholic um, childhood and upbringing, but um, we are not Catholic. Uh, practicing Catholics today. Um, but I, I don't want to speak for Ben, but I would at least say for myself, um, I'm not a religious person, but I would say that I'm a spiritual person. Sure. And a lot of time when I spend walking and even some of the podcast I listen to, and you asked earlier about the poetry, a lot of that is about connecting with you know, this, a spiritual aspect of, of humankind and, and thinking about our, our place in this world and the purpose that we need to serve. And so I will say that I am a very spiritual person. Ben, Amy mentioned earlier, you had a Marine background. Um, uh, I imagine that's a fairly in a large leap for for someone with a marine background to be all of a sudden talking about spirituality on the Camino de Santiago. Well, uh, I, I wouldn't think that being in the military or being a marine would preclude one from being spiritual. Uh, maybe from expressing that. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, that's sort of that's um, the point. Yeah. I mean, there, there's there's an old saying is there's no atheist in a foxhole. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, I would echo what Amy said. While I'm not a practicing Catholic, um, that my experience on the Camino um, was spiritual, and you, you cannot ignore um, the role that the, the Church has played in the Camino. I mean, that's, it's a pilgrimage; it's a religious pilgrimage. That's why it's there. Whether or not that's your purpose for taking the pilgrimage is a different story, but uh, you, you just can't go to the cathedral and be overwhelmed by um, the power of religion. And yeah, I, it's a power, but the, the the good of religion. Yeah, yeah, and well, it's, well, it's magnificent. Well, well, having said that, did you to? Uh, walk into churches, all of the churches that you passed, Amy? Um, I would say we did not walk into every church. Um, We walked into some. And I will say that, um, well, I'm also going to say it would vary depending on our Camino. So on our first Camino, when we were walking the Frances, um, we found churches to be open more often. Sure. Um, when we were on the Portuguese Camino, a, a lot of churches were locked up for safety reasons, we're guessing. Um, also, um, when we would, <laughs> part of our routine when we would uh, walk the Camino is once we would um, do, you know, get to our albergue for the day, clean up, take a shower. Um, do our laundry, maybe get some wine or something. Oftentimes, um, Ben might take a little siesta in the afternoon, but I'm typically not a napper. I just, even if I'm tired, my, I, I can't fall asleep in the afternoon most days. And so when he would go to, to rest, I would oftentimes walk around the villages she has had enough walking yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> At least I didn't have a backpack. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know. Um, and so um, sometimes during those walks around villages, I would walk into a church. 
Um, and so one thing I will share that um, I'm not even sure Ben knows about this, but um, I think this harkens back to my childhood. So um, we grew up, uh, where we grew up, it was near a shrine. Um, and my grandmother would often visit that shrine and um, she would go light candles. And um, she would she would often listen. Um, and if any of her children or grandchildren or other people in her life had some some kind of um, question or burden that they were processing through, my grandma was a really kind and faithful person, and she would say, "I'm going to go light a candle for you." And she would go to the shrine and light a candle and pray for that person, um, that they would find the answer or peace that they needed. And my mom has continued that tradition on since my grandmother has passed away. And so that's something that I found myself doing a few times while I was on the Camino. Um, when I would venture into a church, they would have, um, the votive candles available that you could light. And I would light a candle and, and send, positive thoughts to someone or um, offer offer a prayer up for someone. How lovely. I know exactly the sort of place you're talking about. Um, they are very uh, reflective places that, that lend themselves to great reflection, aren't they? You don't even mm-hmm. have to be religious, I don't think. The, no, I don't think so. The, the churches are cool and... They're dark often and um, often very beautiful too. Um, and I, I know that it, sometimes I would walk into a church and there'd be somebody there and I'd think, I didn't know that guy was, you know, religious or whatever. And they'd say, oh, no, I'm just, just collecting my thoughts. And um, that's a really lovely story. Can I ask you, have you maintained that little tradition now that you're home, Amy? Um, a couple times I have visited the shrine near right. where I live and that my grandmother would awesome. visit, um, oh, nice. to go do the same. But I think, um, I also do that equally when I'm walking the property here with my, with my dog, when I walk the path around our, our piece of land here, um, I will offer up positive thoughts for someone or send, um, send love and light to someone. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. That's a little, that's, that's a pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a pilgrimage. Hey, um, I, I just want to step away from the Camino for a moment because Amy, um, you know, I'm a mad researcher. That's sort of what I do, but uh, I read or saw a mention about books from birth. What's, what's that about books from birth? Um, that is uh, one of my volunteer activities. So in addition to being um, a coordinator with the St. Louis chapter of American Pilgrims on the Camino, I'm also involved with a local organization called Warren County Literacy. And our um, mission is to help improve early literacy in our community. And Uh, We do that through a few different programs, but one of them that we're trying to launch is called Books from Birth. Uh, So we're doing fundraising right now to um, raise money to then be able to uh, register children in our community between the ages of zero and five into the Dolly Parton Imagination Library. So Dolly Parton, the country music superstar, um, has this foundation that she started, um, focused on literacy. And she, if you register through her organization, they mail one book a month to the home of children, um, who are ages zero to five. And she started this program because her father was illiterate and she saw how that limited his opportunities in life. And she doesn't want anyone else to ever suffer from those kind of limits. She's fantastic, isn't she? Mm-hmm. She is. <laughs> She's awesome. Um, ben, back to you. And oh, so that's called Books from Birth, if my listeners are interested. Books from Birth. And you said Warren County Literacy. 
That's correct. Yeah, okay, books from birth. Fantastic idea. Um, Ben, back to you. Um, What do those around you, family and friends, make of Amy and Ben's pilgrim life? (laughs) Well, uh, very few of my colleagues at work understood what I was doing. Um, Very few of my brothers understood what I was doing. Um, So uh, they just said, well, there's Ben and Amy going to walk across Spain, <laughs> but you know it's it, it wasn't it wasn't for them. It was for me. It was for Amy and I. So yeah, um, there, I, I do have a, a a colleague that's interested in it as well, and who generally wants to walk it, but he has to convince his wife uh, to do it as well. <laughs> there's a, there's quite often a lot of convincing, isn't there? Yeah, there. She's apprehensive of the, of the albergue situation and yeah. say, well, you just got to let go. I mean. <laughs> well, chances, gotta- yeah, chances are the albergues won't ever be the same. There won't ever be 90 beds in a room again, <laughs> I don't think. Uh, that Things are going to change. Um, Amy, I should have asked you earlier, do you ever get lost, the pair of you? Do we ever get lost on the Camino? Yeah. Um, I don't really think we ever got significantly lost. You know, a few times you'll get to the outskirts of a, of a small town or something, and there might be arrows or signs that an albergue or some other business owner has put up that wants you to go in one direction because they want you to give them the business. And we quickly kind of figured out how to notice what were the real arrows and what were the uh, diversional arrows. <laughs> I know. Um, I know they do that. So I don't, I don't ever remember us getting too off course. How well, ben, no. how, how well um, signposted is the Portuguese route? I would say it's just about equally as posted as the, uh, as the Francais right. where we were at. Yeah. There was there was one city, I can't remember the name of it. It's probably our second day on the Portuguese route uh, north of Porto that we oh, weren't yeah. quite sure where the route was at, and it happened to be one of the only times we got rained on. So we're, well, we know the ocean's there, so you go to the ocean and turn right, and you're headed north. Eventually, you'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And And... The France says there are uh, albergues and and uh, and hostels, pretty much pensions, pretty much. If you need one, there's one not too far away. Is the Portuguese route the same, Amy? Uh, yeah, we found it similarly. Uh, we from Porto, we took the the coastal route. So when you leave Porto, you can choose either the coastal or central route. And um, the central route is is more interior, and it's it um, has a lot more of the old Roman roads that you would walk on. Right. Uh, we we chose, I guess, because we're we live in the Midwest in the United States, that we had the chance to walk along the coast and see the ocean. So that was exciting for us. So we chose to walk on the coastal route. Um, so the feeling is very different than the Frances. Um, but, uh, we, we didn't, we didn't have a hard time finding places to stay. Um, the only, <laughs> I guess we'll just tell you the story that th- th- there was one town or village that we got to. It was, um, just beyond, um, Viana di Castella. And we, the guidebook had mentioned this one albergue that they highly recommended and they didn't give a lot of details about why, but they said like, just trust us. You're going to love the experience. If you have the opportunity to stay here, you shouldn't miss it. We arrived there and, um, they had no room at the end. (laughs) And so we, probably gave kind of a disappointed expression because we knew we then had quite a ways to walk to get to the next village. And it had already been quite a long day of walking. But the 
the albergue um, host, the hospitalero said, well, I have another option for you if you're amenable. I'm not sure. But, and we, we said, sure, we'll hear you out. Now, now, mind you, we were standing in the courtyard of a very busy albergue, and in the yard were tents. So we thought the other option is going to be staying in one of these tents. <laughs> okay. but, which, which we also would have probably been okay with, by the way. But he says, just about 200 meters up the, up the road, my neighbor... Um, has a, has agreed. We have an arrangement that when I fill up, she will often take some of my overflow pilgrims. So, you know, it's not an albergue. It's in her home. But if you're amenable, they will allow you to stay in their home. And we said, sure, we don't have a problem with that. And so his um, co-worker got on his bike and, and rode ahead of us to show us where this home was, and he introduced us to the gentleman of the house. Um, the lady of the house was not there at the time, and he welcomed, welcomed us in and showed us to our room, and we got cleaned up, and he said, come down and have lemonade with us after this, and we talked, and, you know, he he was happy to talk with us for quite a while because he had spent some time in the United States. And so he was excited to talk to Americans about his experiences in the United States. And then he mentioned like, oh, um, Anna, she's the the woman of the house. She will have um, dinner for the pilgrims at um, 8 p.m. tonight. And he showed us where that would be. And then he said, and she'll also have breakfast for you in the morning. And you know, we, I said earlier, we get up quite early to start walking. Yeah. So we told him like, oh, we appreciate that. That's really kind, but we don't want to impose because we get up quite early. We, we will just walk. We appreciate that. And they were, he was insistent. He's like, no, she will want to serve you breakfast. So we, we at least tried to be gracious and altered our time a little and said, how about 6.30 instead of 5.30. Is that is 6.30 okay? And he said, oh, that will be fine, no problem. So, you know, we went off and did other things and then came back to the pilgrim table that evening that they hosted out in their um, kind of an outdoor garage area. And um, there were eight pilgrims who ended up staying at their home that night. And they... <laughs> they gave up every bed and every place for people to sleep in their home, including their own bed. And we found that out the next morning because Ben got up to go get some of our laundry that had been hanging on the line overnight. And as he went out early in the morning to get that at 5.45, they were exiting their van <laughs> that they had slept in overnight no. because they had given up their own bed for pilgrims to sleep in. Oh and it was just the most amazing experience <laughs> that, that these people opened their home to pilgrims, that they provided a meal for pilgrims. Again, that was an, another amazing experience because there were people from many countries that were seated around the table with us enjoying that meal. And then to even see that gesture the following morning, it was just very touching. Wow. So when, when he said they showed us to our room, it literally was that. So when we tried to check into the albergue originally, we thought it'll be a, you know, a, a double bunk bed and, and, shared bathrooms and all this to maybe a tent to 15 minutes later, we've got our own private room with a private bath and essentially a, a dinner on top of it. It, the Camino provides when, <laughs> when you think you're going to be sleeping in the rain. Next thing you know, you're, you're the guest at somebody's house and they've opted to sleep in their van parked on the street to allow pilgrims to stay in their home. That's fantastic. What? It's amazing. That's a great story. Wow. And were these was this these Portuguese people? 
Yes, because in fact, this was um, this was actually the very last night that we were in Portugal. Right. Because the next day we crossed the river over into Spain. Yeah. Great yeah. story. That's fantastic. I really love that. I really love that. And and the great generosity of the people willing to share their culture and their lives and, and opening their doors to you, it just goes to show there are good people all over the world. Um, it's a truly a wonderful thing to not only experience, but to perhaps take with us as well a little bit of that. It is. Yeah. 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 And well, maybe- we, we asked... Um, the gentleman in the house, like, well, this is so kind that you do this, you know, can you tell us a little bit more? Like not everyone would do this, you know, help us understand why you do. And they shared that they both had walked the Camino and had such powerful experiences walking the Camino and it was life changing. And they felt like this was their way of paying that forward and and giving back to the Camino. Oh, wow. That's great. Oh, wow. That's a great story. I love that so much. Um, Amy, back to you. We met at the American Pilgrim Gathering at Tahoe, and I was blown away by the energy and spirit of community there, Uh, much like what you're just saying now. Everyone was very, very kind to me. Um, Mm -hmm. What did you take with you in the wake of that gathering? What did you take home with you? Um, part of it was a, a good reinforcement of, of, of why, why I give. So my way of giving back to the Camino is volunteering as a co-coordinator of our St. Louis chapter of American Pilgrims on the Camino. And that organization helps um, provide information about the Camino for people who are interested. Mm. It also, um, as part of its mission, is to help gather people. So we have the national gathering where the or- national organization gathers, but then uh, more locally in our chapters, and we have 60 chapters across the United States, we we gather people more regularly to help share the spirit of the Camino and that might be people who have already walked the Camino or and equally people who are interested, but oftentimes we'll go on group hikes or um, have a potluck meal that we host or some kind of information session, but to share information and to gather as pilgrims. And um, so that's one of the ways that I give back. The other um, way that I give back to the Camino is... Um, through American Pilgrims, they publish a quarterly newsletter or magazine, and um, I'm a communications professional, so it's within my talent and skill set to help edit um, edit those stories and articles that go into that publication um, to help help other pilgrims make sure that they're sharing the story that they want to share with people. And so I help uh, volunteer to edit those. Um, and so attending that gathering was powerful for me because I finally got to meet a lot of people that I have been working over phone and email with for the past few years, um, you know, as in my role as co-coordinator and in my volunteer role on this newsletter, I finally got to meet those people. But then I also met so many other people and, you know, the, the feeling that you get there is, is similar to what we were saying you might have around a pilgrim table any evening on the Camino where all these people come from different places and different corners of the world or different corners of the country in this respect. Um, But we're all there for a common purpose. And, and, and that is what unites us. And so there were, you know, no barriers. And just like on the Camino, you're not comparing who does what job and no. how, you know, how much money anyone has. You're just there to enjoy other human beings and see the goodness in the world. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I just felt an overwhelming sense that the world is a small place. And it's amazing. It yeah, it's amazing to think there are people all across the world, in the United States, indeed, who I met, 
who think and pray and wish and share and care just like I do. Um, mm-hmm. Ben, one last question to you. What would you say to someone thinking of walking the Camino? <laughs> well, it's, it's the same thing probably where everybody says is uh, that you ask this question of is I would tell people don't, don't hesitate. Um, set a date, block out time and do it. Don't worry about all the details. Um, and just, just go do it because there's, I mean, if it takes you longer than it takes other people, that's fine. Just, it just, it's just go set a date, get a ticket and go. Amy, what about you? Um, I would, I would have to say and echo what Ben said. I think some of us are wondering when exactly we're going to be able to go again. Yeah. Um, so that's, what's difficult in this time. Um, so I guess the other thing I would offer is, um, some, I've been part of a, a couple different groups during this, um, this strange time that we're experiencing in the world right now where other people who have walked the Camino or walked other pilgrimages are also feeling, feeling this void right now of, of, you know, some of us had plans to go. Ben and I were supposed to leave on May 12th to, to go walk our third Camino doing the Primitivo um, route and, you know, that, that has all been put on hiatus and we understand why it needs to be and the world needs to heal right now. Um, but there is this absence, but I think for those, there's a lot of people who might be listening that, that had their hearts set on going or want to go, but are now questioning when that might be able to happen. And so I would also encourage people, um, to, in the meantime, if they're interested and are on Facebook, there are some groups that are bringing that pilgrim community together um, to consider Camino in a different way right now and to consider pilgrimage in a different way. So we can't go to Spain right now. Um, we can't go to Portugal right now, but we can still um, walk a, a daily pilgrimage if we bring our right mindset and heart to that. And so I, if I can just add, I, I think I would like to encourage people right now, um, if they're interested in something like that and to have that connection, there's a Facebook group um, called Pilgrimage in Place that was started by Annie O'Neill. So anyone who has seen um, six six, uh, walking the Camino, six ways to Santiago, uh, and Phil's Camino. Um, Annie is, Annie was one of the pilgrims featured in walking the Camino and she is the producer and director of Phil's Camino, but she has started this, uh, first started a group called virtual Camino with another, um, partner. And we have kind of walked through that virtual Camino, but now she is starting another group called pilgrimage in place. And so I would just encourage anybody right now who is interested, but feeling uncertainty to join that group. Pilgrimage in place <laughs> on Facebook. That's right. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I was involved in the virtual Camino and I'm yet to sign up to Pilgrimage in Place, but I will do so this evening. Amy, Ben, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. We're in uncertain times, but times are changing. Thanks for your scholarship, your enthusiasm, your love, your sharing and caring. Buen Camino to both of you. Oh, Buen Camino, Dan. Thank you, Dan. My guests this week, the American pilgrims Amy Horton and Ben Voss from Missouri. The British writer and poet Sir Walter Raleigh wrote in his poem, The Passionate Man's Pilgrimage, early in the 17th century, Give me my scallop shell of quiet, my staff of faith to walk upon, my scrip of joy, immortal diet, my bottle of salvation, my gown of glory, hope's true gauge, and thus I'll take my pilgrimage. Shine on, pilgrims. Light a candle this week, reflect, pray your bottle of salvation. If you're interested in sponsoring me, you can do so 
via danmullinsmusic.com. Just click on the Patreon site there. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. <laughs>